Hi, this is Larry Wilson, and this is How to Talk to Humans. This is the podcast that shows you how to improve your communication skills. Are you looking to get a better job? Are you looking to find a relationship? Are you trying to do things in your life that have frustrated you and eluded you so far? I can show you so easily how to change that. Now, I can only do it with humans. If you're looking to deal with vampires or zombies, extraterrestrials, this is not the show for you. But if you're really looking to improve your communication skills, I can show you what I've learned from 40 years in show business working with the biggest celebrities and superstars in the world, and their secrets are unbelievable. What I'm going to be teaching you during the course of this podcast every week are tools that you can use to communicate toward success. Hi, this is Larry Wilson. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of How to Talk to Humans, because I know this is something you want to become proficient at. The better you can talk to humans, the more easily you can achieve the life that you'd like to have, whether that's in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you have a huge company or just a few employees, or you're just what they call a solopreneur, or personally, whether you have a relationship that's important to you or you are looking to have a relationship that's important to you. All of these things are directly tied to your ability to communicate. I learned a very valuable lesson that is a, a cornerstone, I think, of Wilson Method. Many years ago, a girl I knew invited me to go with her to a party at the Playboy Mansion in Los Angeles. And uh, it was very uh, elegant and exciting. There were hundreds of people there. And, you know, Hefner's house is sort of a reproduction of an English manor, and uh, it was fantastic. But at one point during the evening, she said, Oh, I really want you to meet Hef. And I said to her, I said, you know, I don't think Hef is interested in meeting me. She said, oh, no, no, he's, he's great. You'll really love him. You'll really love him. And I said, okay, all right, here we go. So she drags me over and she says, Hef, this is my friend Larry I was telling you about. And he turns to me very politely and says, oh, hi. And he said, uh, Debbie tells me you just uh, graduated from University of California. I said, yeah, I did. And he says, uh, what was your major? I said, uh, film and TV production. And he says, oh, do you like film noir? Now, for those of you who may not be familiar, a film noir is a genre of film from the 1930s, 1940s that had a very specific look and content. Um, noir, of course, is French for black. It, it means a film that is uh, dark in theme and dark in actual appearance. There's heavy slanting shadows throughout, and uh, it's not uh, uplifting or cheerful. There's always dark themes and all kinds of... But I said to him, I, I, at the time, I had a professor in college, uh, Tim Hunter, who since went on to become a successful film director, 
who was completely enamored of film noir, introduced me to all this stuff. And I said to him, I said, I love film noir. Are you kidding? It's fantastic. It's so wonderful. And he said, do you like the bad and the beautiful? Now, this was an Oscar-winning film noir with these big stars in it. And uh, I said, the bad and the beautiful? It's one of my favorite films now. And I said to him, uh, it's, I could watch it over and over again. He said, isn't Gloria Graham the most luminous creature you've ever seen on screen? I said, yes. Yes, she is. Now tell me something, Hef. Why wasn't she a bigger star? And he said, well, I think it maybe had to do with the shape of her face. It looked very different than most of the other female stars at the time. And also, she was blonde, and the other big stars at the time, Rita Hayworth, Ava Gardner, they were dark-haired. And he and I get into this very intense conversation for like 40 minutes in the middle of this party. And at a certain point, I look up, and we're surrounded by people who are looking at me like they'd like to slice my throat. And I realized, oh my God. And I said to him, I said, look, this has been a fantastic conversation, but I didn't mean to monopolize your time. And I just wanted to thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. And he said, oh, I I thought it was great. It was really, really nice to meet you. I'm so glad Debbie brought you here. And it, it was really a pleasure. I walked away thinking the first thought I had was, this guy who was not a handsome guy, He was not a rugged or attractive in any conventional sense at all. But I thought to myself, oh, I can see why this guy is so successful with women. Because the way he talks to you makes it instantly clear that he's really listening to you, that he hears you, that he hears what you're interested in, and he hears how you see things. And his response is not just a canned, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, No, his response shows he is actively listening to you. This has become foundational in my training, Wilson Method, because it's so easy to do. You can do it right now. If you practice in conversation with other people, really, truly listening to them and listening to them in a way. I've mentioned at other times that I was good friends with the Academy Award-winning actor Carl Malden, who was in A Streetcar Named Desire with Marlon Brando and and also with Brando in On the Waterfront, both of which... uh, uh, more than one Academy Awards for, and so many other incredible American films. It was incredible, just an astonishingly talented actor. And one time I remember asking him, I said, can you tell the difference between a good actor and a bad actor? And he said, oh, yeah, sure. And I said, really? It's that easy? He said, oh, yeah. He said, you know, he'd been a, on Broadway in a Streetcar Named Desire with Brando, I don't know, for a year and a half, two years, doing six, seven, eight performances a week. He said, when you're in a show that long, every actor in the show knows everyone's lines. You've heard them hundreds of times. 
a really good actor is listening to the other actors as if they've never heard these words before in their life. Like they have no idea what they're about to say. And then they have to process when they hear these words. They know, they have, what does that mean? How could they say that word? Right? And every time you have to be listening like it's the first time so that you can react as if it's brand new information. He said, bad actors are just waiting for when it's their turn to talk. And I know that everyone listening to this podcast has had that experience. When you know that someone you're talking to has some funny look on their face and you realize, oh, they have something they want to say and they're not listening at all. Well, this, of course, results in the thing that I think it's the worst possible feeling in the world. To feel as if you're invisible, you're not heard, you're not seen. I seriously don't think there's anything as painful as that feeling of being invisible. That seems to negate your entire existence. It effectively suggests you aren't real. You don't matter. You have no value. Well, it can't get any worse, I think, than that. And part of Wilson Method training is teaching you to communicate so that you are impossible to ignore and so that other people feel compelled to invest themselves in you, uh, whether that's professionally, whether it's personally, uh, culturally, spiritually, however it is, they want to be invested in you. And this is very easily done using the techniques I'm teaching in Wilson Method. But I think of all this, and it seems particularly uh, pertinent, because I never forgot that lesson from Hefner. And I thought of it years later. I was uh, working with a recording artist, a woman who was very playful and funny. And at some point she said to me, she said, you know, Larry, we've seen you a couple times come in here with different girls. Uh, this, of course, is before I was married. And uh, she said, I just can't figure out what your type is. And I said, well, I don't know what you mean. She said, well, you know, every, everybody has a type. What's your type? And I thought about it. I said, you know what? I, I don't think I have a type. And she said, oh, everybody has a type. And then I thought, I said, you know what? I said, I take that back. You're right. I said, my type, I can tell you what my type is. I find women particularly attractive who think I'm irresistible. And she laughed. She thought that was really funny. I said, no, I'm serious. I find that very attractive in a woman. Well, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because for those of you, particularly those of you involved in business, I know how challenging 
It is, especially if it's a small business. If you may be a solo entrepreneur yourself, it's difficult to figure out who you're going to market to, who you're going to bring your message to. All right, you're thinking, well, so if I learn Wilson Method techniques and I develop great communications, who am I bringing this to? You want to find the people who are already predisposed to like you. There could be a lot of different reasons. It might have to do with your message. It might have to do with the way you communicate your message. It might have to do with the product or service that you're offering. Now, it's very easy to extrapolate this out to personal relationships, but that's why I wanted to stay for a moment on business, because it seems less obvious there. I frequently will tell my students, especially in the two-day boot camp, I'll urge them, I'll say, do not bring your barbecued ribs to the vegan picnic. I know you have a fantastic recipe. The barbecue sauce is incredible. I know. And people say they're the greatest ribs they've ever had. They're not going to be a big hit at the vegan picnic. Of course, I'm trying to suggest to them that rather than try to convince people they should like what you have to offer, rather than trying to think of some tricky way that you're going to slip up on their blind side and before you know it, they'll be liking what you... No, look for the people who are already predisposed to you. If you bring your barbecued ribs to the International Rib Festival, you're more likely to find people who try your ribs and go, oh, these are good, these are really, well, those are your people. That's your tribe. Those are the people who are going to be predisposed to the message you have to offer. And surprisingly enough, just like I was saying about what my type was, when you have a message to say to these people, you'll be surprised at how open they are to it. You'll be surprised at how receptive they are. They want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear what offer you have to bring them. A friend of mine who's very advanced and very educated in regards to marketing was telling me recently that he had done a presentation with a small group who knew him fairly well. And by small group, I think it may have been 50 people. And uh, he was teaching them something, but he didn't really have any offer to make them. And he said afterwards, he received a couple of emails from people who felt they'd been slighted somehow because he didn't have some offer. It doesn't mean that every time you have something to offer, everyone will jump forward and say, oh, I must have that. But in a way, it's like being a gracious host. It's like you have a tray of canapes or appetizers. It doesn't mean everyone has to take every one of them. It doesn't mean everyone has to eat them and say these are delicious. But it's being a gracious host. Here's something that may be of interest to you. And for those people who are already inclined to 
have an interest or a need for what you have, it might be the perfect time for them. This, of course, is dependent on your communication skills. If you are not able to make that clear to them, well, you, you leave them in a state of confusion. And you can't expect anyone who's confused to want to take advantage of what you have to offer. I mean, you, you can, but you won't be very successful. I'm, I'm just saying when I say you can't expect that, if you think about yourself, if someone tried to make some kind of offer or presentation to you and you were confused, you'd think, well, maybe if I find out more later or maybe if I meet someone who knows more about it, that's a opportunity lost. I want you to use the things that I talk about here on this podcast to be able to develop such advanced communication skills that you can go in anywhere and talk to anyone. I don't want you to ever feel the sense of desperation or loneliness or helplessness that comes from thinking, I don't know what to do, I can't seem to do anything right, life is unfair, this is all a mess. You can kiss all that goodbye. You can let those things go goodbye. When you improve your communication skills, you'll suddenly see a myriad of opportunities open for you. Job opportunities, the ability to earn income, or more importantly, at least in my mind, the opportunity to have time to spend with the people you love, the people who really matter to you, and live a life that you never thought you could before. All of that comes down to one simple thing, clarity in communication. Thanks again for listening. Uh, I hope you'll be back with me next week for another episode of How to Talk to Humans. And in the meantime, please remember to share this with everyone you know, with family, with friends, with enemies, anyone, strangers, anyone. Because we can all do better at our communication. This has been Larry Wilson. I want to thank you for spending this time with me, and I hope you found this information useful. If you're looking for more, you can find it at thewilsonmethod.com. There's a ton of stuff there. In fact, if you want, you can even speak to me because I'm human. Send me an email at info at wilsonmethod.com because I read every single one. I hope that you'll join us next week in this continuing journey and you'll be with me for the next episode of How to Talk to Humans. <laughs>